also work quite closely with the youth group, so I love it here. This is my home. I would like everyone to give a round of applause for Pastor Phil, because he is a great mentor, and, <laughs> and he's an awesome man of God. So, last time I preached on love, I think it's only fitting that today I speak on joy. So, me and Lindley didn't plan that, so there we go. Isn't that awesome? And I've titled the sermon quite simply, Let's Choose Joy. Joy is something that's quite close to my heart, um, especially of the younger generation. We can see a lot of the younger generation suffer with feelings of loneliness and despair and stuff like that. And I was no different. So joy has been a journey for me, I assume much like most of you. So we're going to be splitting the sermon into three sections. And there will be lessons on joy, five, uh, three things joy replaces in your life, and three ways to maintain your joy. So, and my goal by the end of the sermon is that you too will choose joy. Because if you don't choose joy, then the enemy will replace the, it with the opposite. Amen? Shall we pray? Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing us all here safely and soundly to meet as a family studying the Word of God. Father, I pray you give us hearts to receive, ears to listen, and eyes to see. Thank you, Jesus, for this time and for your sacrifice like we just talked about. In Jesus' name, the church says, Amen. Amen. So in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, we're given a list of words. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These, of course, you will know, are the fruits of the Spirit. While they might not be physically grown in your garden, the principles you apply to a tomato plant can be applied to this. So, the first thing we need to note about joy is that it is more than, emotion. It is more than an emotion. It is a choice and an attitude. Godly joy is so much more than worldly happiness. Happiness is solely reliant on if statements. If only I can get this. If only I can do this. If only I can achieve this goal, I will be happy. But joy relies on even if statements. Even if I cannot fulfill this goal. Even if I don't have the money, I will continue to be joyous. For those who have your Bibles with you, could you turn with me to 1 Peter 5 verse 10. And you will find a description of what joy looks like. And the God of all grace, who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. On the surface, there is no mention of joy. But when you look a little bit deeper, this gives us a clear image of what joy looks like. I'd like to draw your attention to a word in the Greek. We're delving into the Greek today. Don't everyone clap at once. <laughs> the Greek word for grace is charis, which is the word charis, which is the word, the root word for the Greek, kara, which is where you find joy. So lesson one, it's realizing and accepting that joy is rooted in God's grace. Without grace, there can be no joy. Not only does 1 Peter show us God's grace and our joy are linked directly, but it also gives us a promise. After we have suffered, which we all will and have, has anyone here not suffered? Good. <laughs> 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 
Christ will restore us and we will become stronger, firmer, and more steadfast. Keeping in mind that in verses 8 and 9 of that 1 Peter, it talks about the devil prowling around like a lion. Now, I have never fought a lion. I think Ian Bridgen might have. But other than, I mean, that sounds scary. So, this brings us very quickly to lesson two. Joy is knowing that life can be tough, but the tough is only temporary. So how many of us today know that truth? Let's just show hands. Also good. But I was doing some delving in on the internet and found that only 15 to 20% of New Zealanders can identify with that truth because 80 to 85% of New Zealand consider themselves not Christians. So it becomes up to us. As Phil says, we have to be God with skin on. So I have got an example that I got from Pastor Louis Giglio, and I'm going to do one similar. So I have an iPhone 11, and they have just come out with the iPhone 13. And the marketing technique is quite extraordinary. So I want to read to you the marketing of the iPhone 13. Our most advanced dual camera system ever, durability that is front and center and edge to edge, a lightning fast chip that speeds up everything you do, a huge leap in battery life you'll notice every day, your new superpower, now in two perfect sizes. Now, I don't want to have a go, but as someone that's not perfect, how did they make two things that are perfect? It's not one that's perfect and one that's pretty good. It is two things that are perfect. I'll take that up with Apple later. So not only are we given these extravagant words, but when we see on TV, there's these most beautiful, handsome people. They're laughing. They're taking impressive videos and all that kind of stuff. So they're promoting a product that they claim will give you joy. But without Christ, joy becomes happiness. And like I said, happiness is temporary. So we have to be the joy we wish to see in the world. However, doing this can be tough. So I'm going to read one of my favorite scriptures to you, which is found in Romans 8, 34 to 39. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, no, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Give the Lord a clap for that this morning. Amen. So, these are some very impressive verses. But I would just like to enlarge to you Romans 8, verses 37. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Isn't this encouraging? Doesn't that make you want to choose joy just a little bit more? But, well done, good, that's A plus for you, Phil. 
But the more you go deeper into this, the more I find myself encouraged. So there is one Greek word to explain these three English words, more than conquerors, and that is hypernikao. Yeah, I think that's right. No one Greek in here? Okay, good. And this literally translates to hyper-conquerors or super-conquerors. So we cannot be a super-conqueror without Christ. So Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. We are hyper-conquerors through him who loved us. And you'll find the difference between the two is a conqueror, a conqueror rejoices after the battle, but a hyperconquer rejoices in the midst of the battle. So lesson three is your strength comes from the joy of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So Paul would then go on to explain, nothing is too high, too wide, or too deep, nor anything else in all of the earth can separate you from the love of God. Is that not something to be joyful for? If we all walked around with this joy that I'm trying to persuade you of, the world would be a completely different place, a place that we all should want to see for this town, for this nation, and for this world. It's a powerful tool, but it's more than that. It's a weapon towards the enemy. Joy has the power to destroy and replace the negative things in your life. So here we reach section two, the next lot of threes. Here are the things that joy will replace in and from your life. Number one, anxiety. Another statistic is, they would say, especially for Gen Z and under, 82 or something percent of people would say they have anxiety. That's really sad. (laughs) So with that knowledge that joy finds its roots in grace, we find that gratitude is something that is key to our own joy which is something that I find very interesting because a recent study showed that the brain can't respond to anxiety and gratitude at the same time. They do not coexist. Therefore, it becomes a choice to us. What will we put our focus on? There was an old Native American gentleman who was trying to describe, after he came to Christ, what it was like living in the spirit but also having the flesh. And he said this, I have two dogs living inside of me, a little one and a big one. And they're always fighting each other. And his friend replied, which one wins? The old gentleman exclaimed, whichever one I feed. This applies to gratitude and anxiety as well. If they don't coexist, what one is the big dog? What one do you feed? Number two is insecurity. Now this is a personal, not favorite, but a personal struggle that I've had to deal with in my life. And the dictionary meaning of insecurity is uncertainty or lack of confidence in oneself. It's a rapid virus plaguing many people, especially the younger generations. But there is a cure for the insecure, and that is Jesus. Well done, Callum. (laughs) And with Jesus comes joy. Insecurity is based in the idea that we have no idea who we are where our identity lies. John 1, 12-13 tells us exactly what our identity is. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, 
nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. This is a message that is much needed in today's world and today's church alike. That when you receive Christ, you are no longer Jimmy's mum, Josh's brother, Sophia's sister. You are a son and a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Is that not something to feel joyful over? With insecurity comes loneliness. Joy will destroy loneliness as well. We live in a very lonely world. It's very easy to feel alone. It's very easy to feel rejected. But if we look at Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6, it says, A father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling place is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. I love that piece of scripture. That piece of scripture came up, I'd say, about six months ago as I was working with the youth, and it was coming up like every week for like a month straight. And I was like, well, I've got a father, and I, I love my father, so this, you know, I think I'm doing pretty good. And then by this point, I had memorized it. And then one day a youth boy came up to me who has had problems with his father, and he wanted to talk to me. And he was like, there's a hole that I can't fill with stepdad and stepdad, with uncle and uncle, my hole in my heart cannot be fulfilled. I just want my dad. And I was able to draw him to this scripture. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoner free and gives them joy. And that night, the father revealed himself to that young man, and we gained another in the family. Amen for that. So the psalmist here in Psalm 68 will hit the nail on the head when dealing with loneliness. As I said, I work with youth, so quite often you'll hear youth come up to you and they say that no one cares, my family don't care, I'm so alone, and I don't know what to do. And a lot of scenarios in this world, unfortunately, that is the case in many families, but not in God's family, amen? Psalm 68 proves that God is a God that cares. God picks up what is lost and makes them found. When we make that realization, we can see that joy is an attitude given to us. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. And the wonderful thing about a gift is you don't have to earn it. You just have to receive it. So I ask you a question today. Have you received that gift? Joy has the foundation in Jesus Christ. But I find the struggle nine times out of ten isn't keeping joy, but maintaining it. No, isn't receiving joy, but maintaining it. And if joy is a fruit of the Spirit, it must be grown and cultivated. So for our last set of three, I have given you a little acronym. Well, I say I. I got that from Phil. I'm passing on Phil's knowledge to you today. J is for Jesus, O is for others, and Y is for yourself. Each of these will help you will serve as a reminder to help you grow in joy, but also what to put, what to focus your order on. Focus on Jesus first, then on others, and put yourself last. So the J is for Jesus. And for that, I've put spend time with Jesus, spend time in his presence. If you want joy, you'll need to actually spend time in the presence of Jesus. Spend time with Jesus, soak in his presence, read the word, but we'll get to that later. 
This is a habit I've started doing every day, especially before Youth on Friday. You'll find that Fridays, for all the youth leaders, are probably the hardest day of the week. (laughs) Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) So what I do is at around 4.30, I turn my phone on Do Not Disturb, and I go into the middle room with my noise-canceling headphones on, and I spend time with Jesus. Uh, Olivia's walked past multiple times and thought I was having a meltdown because <laughs> I would cry and then I'd laugh and then she'd be like, are you out of breath? And I don't run, so that's got to be confusing. <laughs> and <laughs> it took you a couple of minutes to get that, but that's okay. <laughs> so, and this has actually been one of the biggest joy boosters in my life. So many times, myself included, I've heard people pray for joy, but they refuse to go to the source, which is the presence of God. So spend time in his presence and guarantee, and I guarantee your joy will grow and grow. I'm going to skip over O because I want to do that one last. So we're going to do Y, which is for yourself. To grow joy, you need to grow you. Now, what I'm about to say, if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard a thousand times. Read the word. Now, we hear this all the time, and this is a personal testimony of myself, that the Word of God is a powerful thing. So uh, I had COVID a couple of weeks ago and I was in isolation. So I was forced by myself for seven days. And as an extrovert, that was painful enough as it was. So all of these problems started coming up. Things that I had been too busy to, well, I had made myself too busy to face head on. So these were things like anxiety, loneliness, and stuff like that. So I was praying and praying like, oh, take these feelings away. And on day seven, God replied in three words, read my word. Not really what you want to hear, but, you know. (laughs) And I kid you not, the moment I started intentionally reading and studying the word of God, joy filled me. So I urge you, read the word Read the word, study the word, and do it with intentionality. And lastly, O is for others. Encourage others. As I told you, I am in Bible college at the moment, and I had to do an assessment on encouragement. And I read this really good book, and it said, Encouragement is what can turn a fallen society into a whole world again. So I, have, I want to single Julie out. I haven't told her about this, so please don't hit me. Um, <laughs> but a couple of weeks ago, we were having a conversation. Like I said, I was going through a bit of a down season before isolation, and I was you know, having all of these feelings about you know, my future and what I should do and stuff like that. And in just a couple of words, Julie completely changed my outlook with this word of encouragement. She said, Reuben, faith isn't about feeling. Sometimes you just have to take one step at a time. And I just want to give Julie a clap because that was an awesome word that she gave me. And that filled me with joy. That changed my whole outlook on what faith is, what life with God is, and who I am. And last time I preached, I gave you a challenge, and that challenge was to love someone new for seven days in a row. And Julie inspired this time's challenge. So, there was a quote I read the other day that sow a habit, reap a lifestyle. 
and a habit is said to start after 31 days. So, I issue you a challenge. I would like you to encourage one new person every day for the next 31 days. Don't need to roll your eyes so loudly. (laughs) And like I said, it grows into a lifestyle. So, we're going to stay, start day one right now. So you can't get out of this. You're welcome. Turn, thank you. <laughs> Turn to the person beside you and give them a meaningful encouragement. Wow, that was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Right, we can, we can feel the change of atmosphere in this room, right? Can you feel the change of atmosphere in this room? So imagine what that can do at your workplace. Imagine what that could do at your school, and imagine what that could do in your family. Yeah, <laughs> for your school, is family. <laughs> so to summarize, I want to call the worship team up and... I'll just summarize all the things we've talked about this morning. So we've talked about the lessons on what joy is. Joy comes from the realization and the acceptance of God's grace. Joy is realizing that the tough is only temporary. And three, our strength comes from the joy of the Lord. We also learned three things that joy will replace and destroy in your life. Anxiety, insecurity, and loneliness. And lastly, with the acronym of joy, credit to Phil again, we are given an example of how to grow and cultivate the fruit of joy. J is for Jesus, spend time with him and his presence. O is for others, encourage others. And Y is for yourself, grow yourself by reading the word. So just as the worship team play their last song, Um, I'd like to call the elders up, um, and we're going to open the altar for you this morning. I've talked a lot about joy and the difference between joy and happiness, and some of you might be here today and you can't even fathom being happy, let alone being joyful. So we're going to open the altar, and we want to pray for you. We want to pray for your joy, that it will be overflowing so that you can flow into others. Maybe there is a health issue going on that's slowly but surely draining your joy. Maybe there's a relationship that's failing in your life, and that is too slowly draining your joy. So we open the altar today. John, Jeannie, and Phil and Lauren will be up here with myself to pray for you. So I ask you one last question. Have you chosen joy? Thank you.